words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a saying, living with fear isn't really living. I don't know if you've ever seen a, um, a piano recital, but I think of this at the core of this message, I think not that it's okay to have concerns and, and worries as part of life, but living with fear is no way to live. It robs something from us. If you've ever been to a, a recital and you see a, a student play, and I'm going to kind of give you two scenarios. That student up in the upper left-hand corner right, who is frustrated, that student who, when they approach the piano, they're sure in their mind that they're going to screw it up and no one's going to like what they're going to play. And they're so worried about hitting the right notes, right? It just is so uh, kind of discombobulated. It's not a great experience to listen to, and it's definitely not a good experience for the player as they're living in fear. You can kind of picture that? And music teachers are an amazing creature, I'll tell you that. But how about that student who's had the gift of a music teacher says, oh, you're so gifted at this, you've got some abilities for it, you know, and they keep honing that craft, and then they're told, hey, trust it. Trust the process, right? Don't worry so much about hitting the right notes, just let it fly. And when that student plays and they just let it fly, like, I don't know what abilities the guy in the lower right corner, but it doesn't look like he's having a pretty good time. Just letting it fly. And I think about that for you and for me today in this parable, and there's a lot going on there, but we're entrusted with the gospel. We're entrusted with a great gift, the gift of our, of our life. And our, I think our Lord says, I want you to let it fly and live in that joy. And the gift and the hope is that as Jesus tells this story, and this is in Holy Week, he knows he's going to be going to the cross soon. And he's with us always, as it says at the end of the Matthew, but he's with us in a different way, saying, I need you to continue this mission and ministry. You are entrusted with something very valuable. Now, in the story, the parable of the talents, a talent uh, is a whole lot of money. A talent, maybe it's a piece of metal, but is worth, by estimate, 15 to 20 years of wages. That's a lot. So if you got five talents, you might have a hundred years of wages. That's an awesome thing, but even more valuable, Jesus is saying, you've been entrusted with something valuable, your life and the good news of the gospel, and I need you to share it. I need you to trust that God is at work providing for you, and you can share what you have, because if you don't share it, somebody else is going to miss out. Someone who needs to know that they're loved, that there's a place for them, isn't going to hear it, if the people of God aren't doing their mission. Make sense? And the hope is maybe that we can even do that uh, with some joy. As I share this, this story's a lot going on. That's kind of Matthew's style. <laughs> but I want to hear the story is not trying to endorse slavery. It's not giving you an economic policy. I don't think this story is even about salvation. Because shortly after this event, or this story is told by Jesus in Holy Week, what does he do? He willingly goes to the cross. He goes to the cross for you and for me and for all people, and guess what? Sometimes we're not very good at sharing our talents. And sometimes there's a better version of us who is. But he laid his life down for all of us, all the same. That's an amazing gift. So I don't think this story is about salvation, but I think it's about discipleship. It's about how our Lord hopes for us to live. Right? To further the gospel, 
to see the gift of our life, the gift of the good news, and to share it, and yes, even to have joy. Living not in fear, but living in trust that God is at work in this world and God is at work in you. My question uh, for you, what's your image of God? How do you picture God? Right, as that quote says, um, that picture of God makes a real difference. Think about that in the story. The person who is given the one talent, do you think they enjoyed having that one talent? It sounds like they lived in fear, and at the end, what does it, what does the, uh, the person say? It says, I know you are harsh, <laughs> right? And the master says, wait, you know that? I think the story is saying God is not harsh, but when you live in fear, what does the one do? Thinking, I don't want to deal with this thing. I'll just hide it. I'll just bury it. And I bet he was so happy going, here, have it back. And I think our Lord is saying, oh, you're supposed to use it. See the gift that it is. Even have some fun with it. Even if you'd have thrown a party for the whole community, I wouldn't have been mad. <laughs> you know, back then, if you have a talent, there's not a stock market. It's not going to say, well, let's see how the blue chips are doing. You invested it in people. You invested in buying seed to support a farmer, those kinds of things. But you and I are called in this story, I think, to think about what's our image of God. Because if we live in fear, it changes everything. The gentleman in the lower uh, right-hand corner, uh, a friend of mine named Jarvis Anderson. And uh, oh, Nick, you know Jarvis really well. Uh, Jarvis was a, a baseball coach in Plainview, Minnesota. And if you've done stuff with baseball in the state of Minnesota, you've probably met or experienced Jarvis Anderson. Jarvis's story was shaped around what his image of God was in his mind. He talked about in his younger days, and I'll say this, Jarvis was a heck of a baseball coach, uh, but even a better person. But he tells a story, he says, when I was younger, he goes, I had very loving parents, but my image of God was that God was out to get me. And he says, because I'm thinking of all the things I do wrong and knowing that God wants to condemn me. He goes, that was my picture of God, so guess what? I didn't want a thing to do with him. And it kind of came out sideways in how I treated people. He goes, but something happened where I got to know an image of God, a God that we know in Jesus who loves us more than the world can ever imagine, one who is willing to die on the cross for us, one who continually is with us and provides for us, one who gives us hope and peace when everything seems to be lost. He goes, that changed everything for me. I got to teach uh, Wednesday release time with Jarvis for a number of years, and that grace and love poured out of him. He let it fly and letting kids know that they are loved by our Lord. What's your image of God? And the hope is if you have that image, then fear doesn't get so much in the way. This picture here, I think sometimes fear can blind us to what we see. This uh, picture here reminds me of my friend Faye. Uh, Faye was a wonderful lady but went through some really difficult things in life. Uh, Faye, part of that as she was going through difficult things, uh, she also struggled with alcoholism, and that disease had a hold on her for years. And I'm proud to say, as she would say, by the grace of God and through a whole lot of hard work and support, uh, she lived out her final decades healthy and sober. And if you can picture, um, she was driving around with her family uh, as she was living in her sober years, and she was in a part of the city, she said, wait a minute, how long has that building been there? And how long has that park been there? And her family's like, it's been there like 20 years. She goes, oh, 
I'd never been in this part of town sober before. That addiction had blurred her vision. And I think of that, sometimes I think that fear, our worry of holding on tight to things, at times blurs our vision and we don't see the ways that God is at work in our lives, right? Unfortunately, sometimes fear gets in the way and we fail to see that we have a generous God that we can put our trust in. A number of years ago, uh, a farmer by the name of, of Al Sorensen, and this is in the 1980s, and interest rates were high and concern about it's hard to make a dollar. And so Al's financial planner or tax person, right, trying to do their due diligence and very honorable person said, Al, we're in a spot here where you can't afford to not be farming from fence line to fence line. And as you see in this fence line, right, there's a few, you know, there's a yard or so of grass, right, growing up around there. Said, you need to plow every, every inch of soil. That's going to give your best shot for making a living. Well, I don't know that Al was in financial struggles at that point, but he said, yeah, that sounds reasonable. And so he went ahead and he plowed everything from fence line to fence line, all black dirt. Years later, he was talking about this, and he didn't mention what his financial benefit was, if any, but what he did mention is he didn't realize what he was losing. He goes, when I plowed that under, I didn't realize it at the time. He goes, but that's where all of our pheasants hung out. And he goes, it's not that I never saw my boys again, but they never came back to hunt pheasants with me. And I lost that. He goes, my neighbors and friends, we used to get together on the weekends and pheasant hunt, and more than the pheasant hunt, it was the conversations, because a little surprise, a lot of times if you tell guys, hey, sit around a table and talk about your feelings, doesn't really work. But you're playing softball or after the game or you go fishing or you go pheasant hunting, something happens. And those conversations and those bonds were lost. And he looks back thinking that fear, um, fear that there wouldn't be enough, he lost something very valuable that says maybe God wants us to have some margins in our lives. God wants us to live with joy. Think of this, the gift of Sabbath. Uh, how often, and you are a wonderfully and hardworking people, but how often do we tell ourselves, boy, I just can't afford to take a break, right? I just can't afford to rest. And some of you have lived that out where you've actually been so busy, so stressed that you've ended up in the hospital or other places, and then your family says, are you really surprised that we're here? I tell you this because let's make an, uh, a vow to work on this together. The story, yes, is about being entrusted with the gospel and sharing it, but part of that, there's a story right before this about having enough oil in your lamp. There's even a command to take time for Sabbath. Make sure you take time for those relationships. You know the song, Cats in the Cradle. Maybe you know it too well. We know those relationships and time with each other. We need our relationship and time with God, and as we do that, it helps us to make that connection to grow and trust in a God who provides for us, that we can live in that joy and that we don't need to live in that fear. I think of uh, a couple, and they told me two stories in their lives. They said uh, they both, uh, uh, as young professionals, said, man, we had, you know, we still have really good jobs, right? Uh, made plenty of money, but as soon as we had money, it was spent. <laughs> so it had a lot of great toys, and I say this, uh, please know it's good to have recreation, right? It's good to have some fun. That's not a bad thing. 
They said in their story, said we didn't save anything. It was all about us. And all of a sudden, one lost their job. Was only out of, of work for like a week. But said so when I lost my job, I totally lost my mind. Was sure that my wife was going to leave me. I had no sense that I'm going to make through this at all. I didn't know where to turn. And said years later, because I think our practices can shape our ability to trust God. And said years later, we're thinking we need to do some things differently. It's not just about us. And even though that's maybe counterintuitive or countercultural, I said, you know what? Hey, what are some causes that we're fired up about? What are some ministries we want to support? And so that forced them the discipline of doing some planning and going, okay, we're going to set aside some, uh, you know, to give, to support these different causes, and we're going to set aside some to save, <laughs> and then we're going to figure out how much we need to live on and what we want to spend that way. And said, in doing that, something powerful happened. And in that practice of thinking about that, that practice of giving, that practice of saving, in that discipline, as uh, the word says here, offer God what you have and trust God to give you what you need. That in that process, they lived into that understanding that they have a God who provides. And yes, sometimes there's not first fruits, there's not things to offer, but there is a gift in that practice of little things that remind us that God indeed provides. When I was uh, growing up, um, my grandma, we'd be on, uh, at her place quite a bit and working uh, on, the, on the farm there, um, and then we'd go in and check on if grandma needed something, whatever it might be. Well, one day, uh, my brother was staying outside working on some stuff. I was going in to check with grandma, and I forgot what I helped her with, but as I went, she said, oh, I have this one candy bar, but here you go, Kevin, and you can share this with your brother. Now, I don't know how old I was at the time, but I know I was old enough to think, what David doesn't know won't hurt David. <laughs> and so that Kit Kat bar, thinking that looks pretty darn good, and I want to have it, but I can't eat it right now, so I tucked it in my pocket so my brother wouldn't see it. But what happened is I forgot about it. And my mom was really good at doing laundry. And so that coat with that candy bar went through the washer, went through the dryer, and who paid for it? My mom. She was, would be the arm in this picture having to clean up the mess that was made. Here I had this gift given, and it was lost. And think about it. I didn't get to enjoy it. And crazy, right, as followers of Jesus, I may have even had joy seeing my brother enjoy some of it. But all that was lost out of fear I held onto it. I think that bigger than a Kit Kat bar, bigger than the talent, you and I have been entrusted with something so awesome. We've been entrusted with the gospel. And I think our calling, and the pressure's not all on us, right? We need time for rest and all those things. But what you've been given, what I've been given, the power of the gospel has the power to transform people's lives, right? And if we don't do that calling as a church, who pays the price? The people who need compassion, the people who need to know that there is a place for them, right? Uh, wherever the gospel's lived out through you, if we don't do that, somebody suffers, somebody pays the price. That fires me up to be church with you. Because thinking, if we don't live out that calling and we're not looking outward, somebody misses out. 
And maybe it's students who they don't check all the traditional boxes and times and sometimes even religious voices tell them there's not a place for them. If we don't speak up and let folks know that there's a place for them that they're loved, they miss out. Well, people in our lives who need compassion, they miss out if we don't live out this awesome calling. I think of uh, a family who um, dealt with cancer years ago, and after coming through that, uh, said, boy, um, don't understand all these things in life, but we know this, that life is a gift. And it made us think about why are we here, and we're here to do good, right? I think it fits us here. We are entrusted with the gospel, with our lives, and this gift to share, right, for people to know it, for people to experience it. And with that, for this family, it's, they are great at making sure kids in this community and other places have what they need. Maybe the gospel gets lived out differently with you. When we think about being here for good, I think our Lord would say, yes, do that. Live out the gospel. Do those things for others. And along the way, may you also live in trust. May you also experience joy. And yes, may you have some times of rest. All those things. But whatever you do, don't bury that talent. Who you are and what you have is a powerful thing that makes a difference in people's lives for them to experience. So don't bury that talent, but be like that Frisbee, people of God, and let it fly. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Farmington Lutheran Church, its ministries, and how to connect to this part of the body of Christ by going to farmingtonlutheran.com. Peace be with you.